Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm your host on this episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by Augustine Legal PR, the event, media, marketing, and advertising firm for lawyers. Support for Law Talk Radio comes from Chris McCarthy of Northwestern Mutual. Chris McCarthy provides individuals and business owners with expert guidance and exclusive access to Northwestern Mutual's life and disability insurance policies. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For on-demand links to all of our episodes and links to our host station, please visit our website and select the link called On-Demand Episodes located at AugustineLegalPR.com forward slash Law Talk Radio. Again, that's AugustineLegalPR forward slash Law Talk Radio. And our title for tonight is Turnkey Marketing Efforts with Darren Klemchuk. And you do not need the budget of a large law firm to attract the attention and look good. Boutique firms working with their staff and a little creativity and hard work can surely boost their brand in local communities. Darren and his firm, Klemchuk Kubatsa LLP, manage a holistic approach to business development. Darren is a co-founder and managing partner of Klemchuk Kubasta. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. That's a Dallas-based IP boutique firm that offers comprehensive intellectual property law legal services, including litigation and enforcement of all forms of intellectual property, as well as registration and licensing of patents, trademark, trade dress, and copyrights. Darren can be reached at D-A-R-I-N dot K-L-E-M-C-H-U-K at kk-llp.com. One more time for those of you writing down, if you need a good IP attorney, Darren, D-A-R-I-N dot Klemchuk, K-L-E-M-C-H-U-K at kk-llp.com. And we want to let our callers know that we welcome your feedback, and you can always dial 917-889-9732, then press option 1 to be placed in our caller queue. Again, that telephone number is 917-889-9732. By way of short disclaimer, this is a general information program. The advice shared on our show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorney guests among callers and guests on our show cannot give rise to attorney-client relationships. If you have questions, you should consult with an attorney in your area. Finally, all callers remain confidential, and all rights to this broadcast are reserved. All right, an overview of our four segments tonight. First segment, we're going to talk about relationships and engagement and uh, what Darren and his firm are doing to make unique uh, decisions and attract new business and also uh, and, you know, build their firm from within. Uh, second segment, we'll talk about external client appreciation efforts, of course, the clients are the ones who pay for us to keep the lights on and uh, pay for our staff, so it's great to appreciate the clients. Then in our third segment, we'll talk about internal employee staff appreciation. Again, such an important key these days. And then in our fourth and final segment, we'll talk about being a thought leader within the legal industry. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest, Darren Klemchuk. Nick, thank you for having me on. I look forward to it. All right. Did I kill your name or did I do it? No, you, you actually uh, pronounced both of them correctly, which is uh, maybe a first. Wow. Well, I'm Irish and I can't. So <laughs> simple <laughs> names are usually good with me. So I guess I go with the phonetics sometimes. At any rate, Darren, tell us a little bit about how you got to be in your position today. Sure. Uh, I have a kind of interesting story. I started out at a large, um, very large, full service uh, firm here in Dallas in 1997. I did that for about six and a half years. And as, as you'll recall, and some of your callers will recall, um, you know, there was that dot-com uh, dot boom and bust cycle in the 1999 to 2000 time frame. And what happened was, in, at least in my opinion, is it really fundamentally changed the practice of law in certain areas. Because what uh, occurred is, in at least in Dallas, and I know on uh, the cities on the west and the east coast, the starting lawyer salaries got increased uh, radically, and I think when I started, in the, the starting salary was about sixty thousand dollars at a large firm. And by the time uh, the dot, the dot com boom, I think the starting salaries had moved to one hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty thousand dollars in large firms, and it created a really interesting dynamic in that um, the rates went up, the hours went up, and the certain kinds of work that young lawyers got trial experience on went away. And so um, I was a senior associate at that firm, and I decided that I you know, I really wanted to be a trial lawyer, but I probably wasn't going to get a lot of trial experience. 
in a, in a large firm because most of the cases I worked on were multi-million dollar large cases. So in January of 2004, I uh, decided to make the exit and uh, hang my own shingle with uh, with another associate from that firm. And so with my wife eight months pregnant and 30 days away from the partnership vote, we uh, walked out the door and, and, and started a firm. And then that lasted for about five years as a kind of a mini full-service or multi-practice firm. And then in <clears throat> in March of 2009, I decided that I really wanted to focus on an exclusive intellectual property firm. And so I uh, left that firm and created the current firm, Klemchuk Kabasta. We started uh, on May 1st, 2009, and I think it was like in the height of the worst economy since the Great Depression. Probably, probably. I did about the similar thing. I went on my own in uh, 2005 and um, switched things up completely in 2008, 2009. Uh, you know, following the whole social media rush, I thought, you know, I, I was doing PR and other practice management things and back-end services for my lawyer clients and then decided just to go full PR. Again, in probably the worst economy. So, um, you know, <laughs> as I was you know, joking with, I'm, I'm a political independent, and I stay, you know, with being somewhat of a public figure, I have to stay somewhat neutral. Um, and I am legitimately an independent uh, guy, but I'm telling you, when I see some of the things on TV, I said, you know what, I've built mine from scratch, you know, with little other than help from friends and family. And, you know, the know-how and, you know, using social media and different methods. And it's just all about finding people, reaching them, appealing to them, and finding people we already know, like, and trust, and further developing that. So those are some of the themes that we've been talking about this month on Law Talk Radio, and we'll talk more about those with Darren tonight. So in our first segment here, Darren, tell us a little bit your thoughts and your uh, style of working with relationships and engagement and what they mean to you and your firm. Well, um, you know, in law in law firms, the you know the the, the more the more valuable assets are uh, your employees and your client base are two to your more more invaluable assets. And so we spend a lot of time focusing on you know how can we uh, hire the best possible talent and then keep them happy, and then what you know what can we do to uh, keep clients happy? And you know, fortunately for us, and um, not to talk negatively of my uh, fellow colleagues. But lawyers have a bad reputation of not providing high-quality service or providing great customer service. And so one of the three kind of core strategies of our business model is to provide unexpectedly great service from a law firm. Are you saying you return phone calls? You know, it's funny you should say, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. Um, a, couple, a couple of vignettes on that. First of all, at our firm, we have a standing order that any communication from a client's return same day, even if it's to say, got your email, got your phone call, I can't talk to you today, but I'll call you tomorrow. So that, that's the first thing. And the second thing is I've, I've been to a number of happy hours with in-house in-house counsel of large companies who pay who pay partners six, seven, and eight hundred dollars an hour, you know, laughing, not not complaining, but laughing about the fact that their seven hundred dollar an hour lawyer won't call them back for at least a week. Wow. So, we, so you know, we would like to be kind of looked at as the Nordstrom of, of law firm service. That's a really good comparison to make, and that's something that, again, they didn't teach us in law school. We've had to learn it, and Nordstrom does a really good job about that. And I'll tell you what, you think about different places. I remember when I was uh, engaged, this is about 10 years ago, she found a dress at the Nordstrom here in Chicago in Oak Brook, and we were then in Beverly Hills at the Beverly Center visiting her sister and whatnot, and the service at the Nordstrom in Beverly Hills was horrible compared to the the Nordstrom here in Oakbrook. So go Midwest. <laughs> you know, and one of the challenges that we have is because uh, we're a tightly focused law firm and we we pretty much only provide intellectual property services and we do a little bit of commercial litigation, but it's not really part of our marketing message. And so um, that creates a, a unique set of challenges because we you know we cannot be the you know provide the real estate services or the corporate services or you know the, the myriad of other services that the companies need, and so um, what we try to do, or at least what I try to do with my clients, is just um, you know say that look, you know I'm your IP lawyer and I'm your commercial litigation lawyer. If you have any legal needs whatsoever, call me first. I will you know I'll give you two names of people I trust, and you'll never see a bill for that. I, you know what, I like that when you give out a several names because you might find, you know, it's important, I think, to be 
you know, within the community of people that you know and serve, that you're someone that they feel comfortable calling, even if it's for something, you know, uh, a case that's not within the, you know, a limited scope of your practice area, but to give people a few things. The worst thing you can do, in my opinion, is say call the local bar association referral hotline because they're just, they, they don't, you know, uh, it's a more personal touch, you know, and you spend time with the person. And I know several lawyers who will spend countless hours not hours, but minutes, you know, minutes and minutes on the phone with people and give them some basic free advice and call, you know, call this person, call that person. And people really appreciate that. And they may call you next time and say, because they don't, maybe they don't know many, they don't have many lawyer friends or they don't know anyone, but they know someone they called who was a lawyer who was helpful to them and they're going to remember that. Darren, tell me a little bit more about the culture at your firm and why you don't have a receptionist. Well, we, um, so we, we, well, for years we had a receptionist, a full-time receptionist, and um, the problem was that we would you know, we generally try to hire somebody that's you know one to four years out of college, that's uh, you know high energy, ambitious, that you know wants to provide great, you know, make that great first impression when people come in the door. And after a number of years of doing that, what I, had happened was that we ended up really liking the person. They were probably well overqualified to be the receptionist. And usually within six months, they want to move up in the firm and do something else, you know, be a junior paralegal or, or some, go into marketing or something like that. And so after the last time that that happened and the, the then receptionist got promoted to be my executive assistant, we got tired of doing the endless uh, interviewing. And so we ultimately did a round of interviews. And I guess this is really a testament to how bad the economy is. We placed an ad on Craigslist and got 400 responses within two weeks for a entry-level position, which was pretty shocking. Uh, we interviewed a number of people, and we just decided that the the crop of people that we saw just weren't going to be as great at making that impression on clients and visitors as our current staff. And so what we ultimately did is ro we rotate the staff, all, all non-attorney staff, rotates through the front desk on a on a day-by-day -day basis, and so it's been really wonderful because it creates a great social churn within the law firm, and it also uh, provides each staff member with an opportunity to really appreciate how hard that job is, and an opportunity to make a great impression on people that come in the door. Very, very good. Um, you know, cross training is something that is is so important these days, and also, um, you know, everyone knowing what. It, well, let me ask you this question. Within, uh, you know, working with relationships and engagement in your firm, what do you tell your non-attorney staff as far as uh, their conduct when they're out in the community? Are they instructed to let people know where they work or, you know, are they bringing in clients? No, they're not bringing in clients. I mean, they're, you know, but they, I mean, they are ambassadors of the firm and, you know, we're involved in a fair amount of uh, ch charity work and so we highly encourage them and that, in fact, give uh them time off pay time off from work to to do uh charity events within the community mm -hmm. so i'd say that's probably our biggest emphasis mm -hmm. and uh let me see what else about engaging engaging clients and, and work production and returning things anything else that you want to highlight that that sets you guys apart or you'd like to suggest that other people might not be doing or some things that you see um you know common that some of your colleagues you could be doing better that they aren't well, here's a here's I mean here's an observation I made from other law firms and uh, several painful experiences of my own within this firm, <clears throat> and that is that in every single time I've ever taken a client where my intuition or just I had this bad gut feel about whether I wanted to take them on or not, and I did it anyway has you know has caused me problems down the road, and so I've kind of got to the point now where if I get any kind of feeling that this person is not the right fit for the firm, whether it's a personality issue, whether they can pay, you know, whether their litigation strategy is the same as ours or, uh, you know, any other issue. I've just decided it's just not worth taking the risk, and so I won't take them on as clients. And the, the other observation I've made in, <clears throat> over the number of years is that and I, I, I took this from a book called The Professional Service Firm of the Future, and it's a, it's a great book. Um, they have a maxim in there and on their chapters about clients that says, you know, bad a bad client will drive out good clients, and I, I have to tell you that is Nick, that is unbelievably true. If you have a set of bad clients, they drive down the morale of the staff. They cause problems. They don't pay bills. They complain about small bills. They are the ones that will file grievances and malpractice cases. 
And so, you know, we're trying to make a concerted effort to have a client base that's largely, if not completely, composed of what we consider to be ideal clients for our firm. Very, very smart thing to do because the people who, and you know, someone told me once, the client who you do the most for, who's your best friend, will turn on you in a second. And I've seen it. I've experienced it and lived it. The person that I did so much work for, I gave him breaks on things, no charge things. I'm talking about doing PR work too. Um, you know, very demanding and I turn around, do it every, and then it's, you know, they'll turn on you in a second. And, you know, if you get, it takes a while to develop that intuition. Um, and, you know, when you do have, I always say go with your gut. So attorneys out there, uh, you know, if someone else comes to you and they say, so, you know, you're the third person on the pile, um, you know, and again, I, I come from um, more litigation and family law and things like that where it's easier to see the red flags. But, um, you know, an IP even, I, I've seen people who call and they want the IP attorney to help them, uh, you know, infringe on someone else. And, you know, how can we do this to, like, squeak it in? <laughs> it's like they're clearly, you know, they're clearly doing something wrong, right? Well, and, and the other thing you can't discount is, is that those clients that are kind of a pain or, or abusive – will really drag down the morale of your staff, you know, and in your staff is the front line on making other clients happy. So if they're down because they have to deal with this jerk client all the time, that could be reflected in how they handle your A-tier clients. Very, very true. All right, we're going to so, – yeah, go ahead. And so it's just best to, you know, eliminate, eliminate or transition out those non-ideal clients. It's very, very true. And, you know, it's and there's also the eighty what is the eighty twenty rule, and everyone has a different version of the eighty twenty rule. But um, what do they say? Uh, you know, eighty percent of your efforts for one client is going to bring you twenty percent returns or something like that. So you know, it's find the good clients. I think there are clients that are a match for everyone, and there's business out there for everyone. But you just have to figure out what your brand is about and what makes your firm uh, a good firm and who you work well with. And the, the more you know that, the better you'll you'll run things. So we're going to pause and we're going to. Uh, go to our first set of breaks, and then we're going to come back in our second segment and talk a little about ex external client appreciation events and what Darren and his firm have done there. So uh, in our break here, we're going to tell you first about Chicago Now. Again, this is a Tribune Media publication. Chicago Now is an independent uh, part of the Tribune, and there's a new family law column, and yours truly is the author, and I really enjoy this. So check that out, the Friends in Family Law. It's a new column about family law on Chicago Now, again, a Tribune Media Group publication, featuring real stories in and out of court. Uh, I'm going to be and have been interviewing people who work in and around family law industry and those who have tips and stories to share with our Chicago Now readers. So please visit chicagonow forward slash family law for more information about this new weekly column. Next, I'd like to tell you about the Bryan Law Group. The Bryan Law Group ha handles all the matters that affect your family, including school law and animal law. Attorney Susan Bryan is available to speak to your group and help your members learn what to do when they spot legal issues that affect their families, what people should know about protecting their families as well. Please get in touch with Susan Bryan. I'll give you an email. It's S-U-S-A-N at BrianLawGroup.com, which is B-R-Y-A-N LawGroup.com. Again, Susan at BrianLawGroup.com for more information and a free consultation. Next, if you're looking for a job in your in Chicagoland area, the new lawyer committee for the DuPage County Bar Association presents a job search workshop this coming Thursday, September 13th. Actually, not this coming Thursday, but Thursday, September 13th. Uh, it's going to be located at the Lyle Naperville Hilton, and attendees will learn important job skills such as, number one, effective job searching, second, resume tips and how to stand out, and third, how to prepare for an interview. Now, additionally, members from prominent Chicago and DuPage County law firms will be there to offer mock interviews for attendees. And if you need a professional headshot, just bring a $50, and I'm sorry, not $50, $30 with you, and you'll be on your way to looking good and being ready to land the job you want. Again, this is a free event open to members and non-members of DuPage County Bar Association, as well as students are welcome to attend, but you must register and because spots are limited. So, so to attend the event, you can register uh, on dcba.org, again, www.dcba.org, and look under the events column for the job search workshop, again, on September 13th, brought to you by the new lawyer committee of the DuPage County Bar Association. All right, next in segment two, we're back with our guest, Darren Klemchuk from Klemchuk Kubasta, an IP firm in Dallas, Texas. 
and we are going to be talking in segment two here about external uh, external efforts in marketing and specifically client appreciation events. So, Darren, tell us what you do. Well, um, you know, as part of our overall marketing plan, we uh, do a number of marketing external marketing events and then sponsorships, and those usually are uh, well liked by the clients. Then we also are we're about ready to embark on a, uh, a client anniversary gift, and so when a client comes to the first anniversary, we present them with a with a, a gift to, to thank them for coming to the firm and, and recognizing that they're valuable to us. That's nice. I like the gift idea. So, well, this do you think that this is going to work in all practice areas? Um, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, again, we've um, we've we're in the process of fully segmenting our entire client base according to a myriad of factors into different tiers and then focusing on kind of the A and the B tier clients. And so the A and B tier clients will get, uh, you know, the the one-year anniversary gift, and we try to make it personal to to whoever hired us as opposed to just a one-size-fit-all kind of gift. And, yeah, I think it will because it's a – I mean, you know, I don't practice – I practice in kind of a narrow area. But in my experience, particularly if the client is not a uh, sophisticated in-house counsel, a lot of clients don't, you know, don't know and can't tell the difference between a $5,000 motion for summary judgment and a $10,000 motion for summary judgment. They know what it costs, but really what they react to is the results that they get and how they feel about them. And so we want to make sure that they feel great about the results that we get. Mm-hmm. You know, plus they have a buy-in to the firm when they spend significant, significant dollars in protecting their intellectual property. Um, you know, you're part of their team in a sense, and it's nice for them to have you. You know, I can see why it's a feel-good moment for them to be for that to be recognized. Right. So, for an example of a client client event that we've done is, <clears throat> we had a uh, we rented out a movie theater for opening day on the the bat the, the new Batman movie this uh, this summer. And so the invitation to the event was a full-size copy of a uh, Batman mask in a box that got delivered via FedEx to uh, to 100 of our best clients. And so um, the event was great, except for the timing was horrible because of the shooting the night before. <laughs> I was going to ask, uh, you know, what your turnout was. Did you ask people to RSVP, and were those numbers good? Yeah, the numbers were the numbers were good, um, and, you know, and, and people came. And, you know, the, the the tragedy that happened the night before didn't really ultimately affect the attendance. Um, but you know, my, my view on a, on event planning, particularly if it's a um, you know an, an event where you have a, a large number of attendees, is that you know we will put significant time, money, and effort in the actual invitation. Because if you think about it, uh, look, we have a, we have another event every year that that's a um, it's a what we call continuing legal education CLE event. So it's a it's a basically 90 minute class provided in a happy hour environment on a couch, on a uh, patio in uh, in the spring here in Dallas. And so it's a pretty it's a pretty nice uh, reason to escape work early on a Friday afternoon and then enjoy a couple couple beers or margaritas afterwards. Um, and so it's a really easy sell because the attendees get half of their their Texas mandated ethics CLE in one sitting, um, and so we typically invite four or five hundred, and we might get eighty to show. But we put a ton of money in the invitation because if you think about it, if I if I send the invitation out to four hundred potential clients or clients, and eighty show that invitate that invitation is going to touch three hundred and twenty more than they actually come to the event. So that invitation is extremely important as part of the marketing program. Mm-hmm. Because it shows that you care and did something beyond just do a Facebook event and send it out. I'll tell you what, I've heard so many people say that they're not doing anything in print. And I say, you're nuts. Now it's a more affordable time than ever to find a good local print shop and get some decent looking materials. Stop making every. I mean, yes, you can make things on your own on your computer, but it's worth it's worth the ex- it's I mean it's a good expense at tax time. It makes your firm look good. And I'll tell you what, I've had some other people say make comments on our show about you drive a nice car because people see you at the courthouse or they see you at your office because they want to know your lawyer's successful. So it makes sense then to carry that through in your brand and your image through things like an invitation. So Darren, I'm so glad that you do that. Well, we have a few events uh that we do the electronic invitation for. For example for example we had a um we have this kind of like casino night event that's electronic invitation only, and then at the end of the year, 
the the firm wide holiday card that that goes out in mass to referral partners, clients, and and friends of the firm is electronic. But we follow up with individual lawyers sending hand signed, handwritten holiday cards to their specific clients because that you know that that personalized note with ink on paper on a really good looking uh, card on good car- paper stock makes a really great impression on people as opposed to you know one of fifty electronic cards that you get in December. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, and then the as next... far oh sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, you know, as far as the uh like the, the movie event, you know, we, we spent far more money on the invitation than we did the actual event. And that's because that invitation was so impressive and so unique and creative, uh, that we knew that that would really make a, a pop on people, really a great impression. Um, and so, you know, the people, for some reason, people really love those Batman masks. And so we got all sorts of pictures of, uh, from clients of them in the mask or their kids in the mask. And then we ultimately incorporated that into our Facebook page as well. I love it. I love it. I heard a similar story from, uh, I met with, um, uh, someone I do uh, development work with, and she told me about someone who took a picture of his dog, uh, the guy and his dog, for his law firm a photo for his ad. And he has so many people who call and say, I love dogs too. Um, and it goes, <laughs> it kind of follows this theme of not being a stuffed shirt lawyer. Now, right, if you want silk stocking fig firm stuff, go downtown. You can spend lots of money. You can find, and you know what those firms do on big matters? You know, they can be effective, but I'll tell you what, I know small solo firms that have gone toe-to-toe on IP litigation matters with the big dogs, and the solo guys have won. So, to that extent, what do you do, Darren, to try to stay away from the stuffiness that some people think they're going to find with a law firm? Well, you know, the, our events are, are are fun and they're creative and they're somewhat off the wall. Like I mentioned, the Batman event. We've um, we also do a uh, we have a private label spice made that we send out in in um, either June or July, kind of for grilling season, and it's got a pretty funny label on it. And so that goes out. Um, and again, we spend significant money on the 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 actual I think I spent more money on the packaging than the actual spice itself because again the person gets a box, the box has a cool message, we make a charitable donation and it's a fun it's a fun little spice and we've done it for a number of years and so people actually look forward to getting it every year. And so, you know, I'm not aware of any large firms in Dallas that do things like that. And so we try to be you know, our marketing message is uh is is centered on innovation. And so we always are trying to be more innovative about how we do things. And so what happens is we have to keep pushing ourselves to get more creative on these these events. And so, for example, that CLE that I mentioned, we've done that eight times. And so every year I've had to come up with a, a, a cooler-looking you know, physical invitation to that CLE. Very good. You know what? I have another thought, um, and this is, again, I, I'll tell people, some people, people tell me, oh, Nick, you have such good ideas. I don't know that I've had an original idea in the last 10 years. Maybe I had, but, you know, listening to others and learning from what others do, one of the things that I picked up on is the concept of having sponsors uh, defray the cost of throwing some of these events. And, um, you know, for example, I had a personal injury attorney tell me that, he invites the doctors and the surgeons, and you know they can sponsor the event, so they get their name all over everything. And then, you know they'll, they'll invite them to similar events like you're doing, um, but have them uh, do that to defray the cost. Have you ever thought of or done anything like that? And is it you know is that appropriate in IP? I mean, who would you? I'm not sure exactly who you might ask to be a sponsor, but it's just an idea. Well, we um, we've co-sponsored some events, and it's a it's a really it's it's actually a very effective way of uh, getting. The message out in, in, in conducting business development. So, for example, in Dallas, uh, and they may have this in other cities too. We had this, we had this uh, annual award called the Tech Titans, where it's the you know the top top technology companies in the DFW Metroplex. Um, and for us, that's not a great sponsorship because the, the you know there are larger full service firms that sponsor that. But within the Tech Titans, there's one there's a group called Fast Tech, which is the 35 fastest growing technology companies so these are kind of the smaller to mid-market uh privately held technology companies in they say one one million to hundred and plus million dollar space which is the sweet spot for us and so we co-sponsor that with a uh, an account, a mid-market accounting firm and uh, a bank here here in town so we we split the cost 
uh, we get all the you know the brand the branding and the signage up, and then we also uh, get access to to the decision makers at all th- 35 of these potentially ideal clients for us, and that works very well and is really inexpensive. Again, can you? That's like such a great idea. Again, can you? If you could um, spell that out again in like a mathematical equation, what would it look like? Well, um, so our I think our cost was twenty five hundred dollars, if I remember correctly, and we were prominently featured as one of the sponsors of this event, and so the other sponsors are other professional service providers, so accountants, investment bankers private equity guys so they're there and then on top of you know so that's that's a very target rich environment for networking for an ip lawyer and on top of that you have the decision makers of all 35 of those fast growing companies that are there too because at this event they reveal the you know the top 10 you know of the of the of the fast fast tech companies and so the event goes on for an hour and a half it's a happy hour and it's a, a mix and mingle and so you know we show up in force and there's plenty of opportunities to network with potential clients it's wonderful you know what another thing for ip firms i think is really cool is when um they when you find charter schools and a lot of schools nowadays are focusing on technology and i think there are a lot of events going on where major tech companies are sponsoring some of those things so anything that you know software i I knew a software licensing attorney who uh, did one of those in the city of chicago and turned out to be you know a great gateway and access to all certain wonderful ceos of big companies um, you know, opportunities, uh, you know, to get your foot in the door that otherwise wouldn't be there. So, again, it's just spotting these opportunities. And once you start thinking out of the box on marketing and events, you start finding and just it's really, I think if you just start talking to people and throwing ideas around, you know, once you get over that fear of sounding, I mean, people don't, you know, lawyers don't want to sound like they don't know what to do. Um, and you don't always want to just pay someone for advice because what if they're not, you know, specialized in your practice, you know, your practice area is different from some others, you know. So I just, again, to my audience out there, just start talking to people. Ask them what they're doing. Think outside of the box and just go for it. If an event doesn't turn out well the first time, you don't have a lot of people there, you know, consider it, you know, getting your uh, getting your training wheels off and then the next one should be better. But if you don't try, you can never have an event. So just get out there and do it. All right, we're going to pause for our next set of breaks, and then we're going to be back with Darren and talk about uh, things in our third segment, all things internal employee staff appreciation, so how to keep a happy firm. And um, I'm going to tell you about a couple things here in our halftime break. First of all, I want to tell you that the Vitito Law Group is going to appear on Law Talk Radio sometime in September or October. We have not set a date yet, but we're going to talk about the NFL concussion cases. Now, the Law Talk Radio theme for September is School and Sports Safety. You might know our friends at the Vitito Law Group from the movie about Aaron Brockovich, the modern-day David who loves to good brawl with today's Goliaths. Now, Aaron and the Vitito Law Group are teaming to fight to change policy and perception about NFL player safety and what you should know about traumatic brain injury. So keep on checking in with us, and we'll bring you more information as things move along with School and Sports Safety Month on Law Talk Radio. Um, Another thing that has has uh, come to rise. I am going to Nashville in a couple weeks and have an interview set up with the executives and doctors from the Professional Bull Riders Association, and we're going to continue a dialogue about uh, sports safety and player safety uh, with the bull riders themselves. I myself am a professional bull riders fan, uh, started watching the sport some, some time ago, and was amazed that some of the riders don't wear, aren't wearing masks yet, and I'm just curious. Uh, what we're going to find out from the interview, but it should be a good information. So again, I'm trying trying to tie NFL and uh, you know different sports together because we really the goal is to encourage uh, you know sometimes through litigation or it doesn't have to be through litigation, but encourage policy to make sports safety for everyone you know you know safer and turn it down down to the kids because. We like our sports. We don't want our football to go away. We don't want our bull riding to go away. We don't want any of our uh, sports to go away, but we want our players to be safe. So, uh, you know, check in with us, and we'll be bringing you all sorts of good, uh, good content and radio broadcasts and articles through September and October, all about sports and school safety. All right, next I want to tell you about a special offer from the Law Bulletin Publishing Company and the Chicago Lawyer Magazine. Listeners to Law Talk Radio have till the end of September to take advantage of the Law Bulletin's combo package 
You can find that at lawbulletin.com forward slash combo. They have a great uh, deal where you'll get the print and online Chicago Daily Law Bulletin plus one-year subscription to the Chicago Lawyer Magazine, all for $159. That's huge savings. Now, don't forget to check out the Around the Water Cooler articles on uh, Chicago Lawyer Magazine, where my colleagues and I share tips and stories with our Chicago Lawyer Magazine readers. So again, lawbulletin.com forward slash combo. You have until the end of September to take advantage of this great offer and get the Chicago Lawyer and the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin all for $159. All right, now back to our show in segment three. We're talking again with our friend Darren Klemchuk from Klemchuk and Kubasta in Dallas, Texas. They're an IP boutique firm that offers comprehensive IP legal services, including litigation and enforcement in all forms of intellectual property, as well as registration and licensing of patents, trademarks, trade dress, and copyrights. And in our third segment, we're going to talk about how uh, internal uh, internal efforts on employee and staff appreciation make it a better place to work at Clemcheck and Kavasta. So, Darren, tell us what that's all about. Well, um, of all the things, you know, I think marketing is much easier than, uh, you know, attracting great employees and keeping them happy. I've found that to be by far the most difficult uh, aspect of running a law firm. Um, what we, you know, what we try to, you know, I guess the ultimate thing for us is that we care. I mean, the owners care, the partners care, and we take our personal interest in the happiness of uh, and well-being of all, all of our employees, and that seems to work. And I know that mm-hmm. sounds a little shocking, but, um, you know, I, I guess, it, you know, for, for your listeners out there, you just kind of have to decide what kind of business you want to run. I mean, there are, you know, if, if if you're a business where, um, you know, th- and I'm not criticizing these models, but, you know, there are some models that say, you know, and and this happens in, like, for ins- insurance defense here in Dallas, is that the, the rates that lawyers and paralegals and partners can get are, are much lower than normal. And so for them to make it, you know, be profitable, they have to make their employees bill a lot of hours to, you know, kind of a volume to make up for the lower rates. Um, and so, you know, you have people working, you know, quite hard. Uh, other, you know, another uh, option is to just look at employees as being fungible, and that knowing that, you know, they're, you know, you will you will lose employees every 12 to 24 months, and so you're going to extract as much out of them as you possibly can until they quit, and then you'll just replace them with somebody else. Um, you know, our but you know our approach is different than those in that you know we really want people to come here and stay here and then hopefully retire here. And so you know we put a we invest a lot in our people and we care about our people. And when your people are happy, they tell other people they're happy where they work. And when the people are unhappy, they tell people they're unhappy where they work. And I'll tell you, word travels fast. So in keeping them happy, can you tell us a little bit more specifically about some of the things you do? Like you say, you have a health and wellness program. Yeah, we have a uh, we have a, a pretty creative wellness program um, in the firm that, uh, and so we have this. We just we've just invested in having a cafe in the firm that's uh, a fully stocked kitchen, and so employees can basically eat meals here if they wanted to. And so we had a lot of, uh, and, and then they can basically request the the, the groceries that, or the the food that we keep. And so we had when we first started this, we had a lot of cookies and what you just call kind of junk food uh stocking in the kitchen and then we put this wellness plan in place and uh we what we've seen is, is that uh the junk food has actually gone down and the healthy food has gone up and um I think that's resulted in happier more productive employees and so that's been great I totally agree, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to be in Dallas in October. Um, I've got a few things on my plate, including I am going to South Fork to take the tour. And maybe <laughs> on Monday, though, maybe I might stop by your firm for lunch on Monday. <laughs> you are uh, more than welcome to come by. I'll have a couple people with me. They're going to check out Southern Methodist University in Dallas, so that's why we're making the trip. So uh, <laughs> we'll lead the troop in. <laughs> we're going to have good lunch. So, yeah. um, well, I mean, we also have a fully stocked bar um, for happy <laughs> hours on site. We have a kegerator. We have a uh, a room that's called the lounge that has leather leather couch and leather chairs and a big screen TV and a pl- Sony PlayStation and an Apple TV and a uh, Direct TV. So, I mean, we've got a number of kind of creative, fun things for employees to do because we realize, you know, the practice of law is a tough business and people work a lot. And if they're going to be away from their family, we want to make it at least, uh, you know, happier as the best experience it possibly can be. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what about hours and work hours? I know some firms, uh, some of the downtown firms here in Chicago, tell their tell their uh, associates and their partners that they certainly don't mind if you sleep overnight at the firm. What do you guys do? Well, no, I mean, what, so no, not us for sure. We um, uh, we the uh, the partners, we just made a conscious choice that having a happy work environment. Um, in other words, our, you know, our mantra for this employee area is is a great place for great people to work. Is ultimately what we like to achieve, and obviously, it's an aspiration, and, and it's something you work at all the time. And we're we're not there yet, but um, you know, we want a great place for great people to, to to be. And you know, I would rather have a group of happy, healthy, uh, you know, A players than um, to make lots of money by making them work hard and miserable. It's just a it's a conscious business choice that the owners of this firm has made. And so the partners are being paid less um because we just would rather have a, ha- a happy environment to be in. You know, and it makes sense. And when people are burnt out, you know, when people are approaching burnout, and again burnout is something that um it doesn't always show up, you know, you don't always see it when it's happening, but it can happen and sneak up on you like so many things. Um it's it's important to you know sort of nip that in the bud so to speak and um, I've I've talked to several people who you know make their employees take lunch um, and not work through lunch and I know I'm I'm my own worst uh, enemy like that you know <laughs> being self-employed I you know work through lunch but there are times when I will stop and you know take a walk and you know go or go to Starbucks or go to Jamba Juice or something or you know go work out you know uh, luckily I'm not too far from my gym so I can do that. Uh, you know, cause stepping away from it, I think, is good. And when you step away and have a clear mind, I think you're you. Oh, I think you owe it. You have a duty to your client to be on your A game when you're at work. Exactly. You know the old saying. You know, strong body, strong mind is very true. Now, what uh, what's what has been some of the responses uh, from from your employees? And I, you know, I suppose you have a lot of people who've been there for a while. Um, did you ever hear anything that's uh, shocking when they tell their friends? Well, I think they generally like the um, the uh, you know kind of the wellness plan and the kitchen, and you know we also have a lot of kind of impromptu events. For example, um, so when we, when we hire people, you know. Um, the understanding is that on on their 90th day, we will let them know whether they have a job or not with us. And so we basically make a rehiring decision um, looking back at the last 89 days to make sure that that person is right for the team. And so when that person makes it, on, we have a big day 90 celebration, and we'll, frequently we'll throw like a firm-wide happy hour to celebrate somebody as being officially at the firm, and then they get the firm polo shirt and all that. And then we also do a day 365 celebration to celebrate somebody's first year anniversary with the firm. And, the, you know, those things seem to go pretty well. Our, our latest thing that we implemented that, that I – it created a little bit of angst, but I think it's it's ultimately going to go over well. Is we've we completely eliminated paid time off, um, which is kind of radical for a law firm. And so basically, um, people are expected to get their work done. If they have bill of law requirements, they're expected to meet those requirements. But um, if you want to take time off and it's okay, you know, you've got your work done, then you can take your time off, and we're not keeping track. All right, it's sort of like as long as you, we're all adults here, do your work and be accountable. And uh, we're not gonna, you know, make you punch in and punch out. So I think when you treat when when people when you feel like they're judged by, you know, an hourly day or turning your hours or this and that, you tend to feel like more of a cog in the machine as opposed to someone who's respected. And the things that I've seen in law firm staffs, and again, I'm just judging by the people in my neck of the woods, but I know some great firms here in DuPage County, Illinois, where there have been the same uh, people, same uh, support professionals have been there since I you know, started law school back in 1999. And those people are there because they're treated well and they're respected. And a lot of the attorneys know that uh, your support professionals are the ones, a lot of the times, who keep things going. Yeah, I think they're just critical. I mean, par- par- paralegals and admins are just absolutely critical to the operation of the firm, and you know, and, and they're important to us. And you know, kind of my view of things is, is that I don't, I, you know, I don't want this law firm ever to get so big that I'm not on a first name basis with uh, employees' spouse or significant others, and I don't know what their kids are doing. Right, right, and right. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. 
And another thing we've done, and this this you know, we shamelessly got this idea from a book called The Method Method, which is a, a great book. I recommend to anybody if they're they want to up their game in the culture employee culture arena. What's is it called it, again? Uh, it's called The Method Method. Right. And it's down. it's well, you know, the method that the soap company. Right. Okay, so it's about it's about the founding of that that company, and you know how they got going, and then you know, where they're at today, and kind of the things that they do to make their company unique and and attract great people. And so, you know, rotating uh, employees at the front desk is an idea that I got from that book. Here, here's another one, and you know we've done we've done this one for about eight months now, and it's been just great. So on Monday mornings we have an all firm meeting at 8:45. We call it the Monday morning huddle. And we give out kind of the the news of the week, and we work in a little bit of employee wellness and that and some other things. And so it's a 15-minute meeting. And then at the end of the meeting, um, we recognize somebody who's been nominated for a values award. And so our firm is organized around 10 core values that we basically make all our decisions on. And so um, and it's widely publicized with the employees. And so they are able to write a paragraph story you know, telling the greatness of some other employee and how they exhibited one of the ten or one or more of the ten core values, and so at the at the end of the Monday morning huddle, we read the narrative in front of everybody, and at the end we tell who won the value, and then they get to spin a prize wheel, and we, you know, it's got some cool gifts like a you know mystery gift card or a massage gift certificate or sleep-in day, and then it's got some funny ones like partner brings you breakfast or you know some things like that, firm wide high five things along those lines, and. And that has been uh, that's been very well received by employees. Oh, very much. You know, as you said that, I realized that I've completely forgotten about a firm that I clerked at when I was in law school, and they had meetings Friday at seven thirty. We started at eight, and they had meetings at seven thirty. And you know, it was I did not like being in there at seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> but, you know, but people would bring. You know, I'm like, this is off. You know, <laughs> but people would bring. They bring in pizza and. Um, you know, we go around and there were, you know, uh, you know, attorneys and staff, probably 15 people total, and everyone would go through and tell everybody else about what they had working on, what kind of cases and what, and especially where there were a couple different practice areas handled by that firm, um, I thought it was a really neat way to find out what the other people are doing because, you know, I was a law clerk, so I always thought, you know, I'm not worthy to find out what they're doing, you know, they're lawyers and, you know, what's going on, but they really included everyone. When it was sort of a team feeling, so it's just such a good thing. I can't, I can't say uh, enough good about things like that. So we're going to pause again for our last breaks here, and then we're going to be back with Darren to round out our topic or our thoughts today with being thought leaders in the industry and what that means to Darren and what his advice is. So, all right, uh, some just a couple quick messages, and these are about us here at Augustine Legal PR. And for those of you who are first-time listeners and don't otherwise know me, my name is Nick Augustine, and I'm a publicist for lawyers. I generate and write frequent original content that helps your clients and colleagues find you better, and get to know your practice better. My proprietary methods for researching, investigating, and producing your media are focused on the image of your success. Call me for a consultation for a free legal, con- or free legal consultation, or, I'm sorry, a free consultation for legal marketing, advertising, and public relations. My telephone number is area code 630-445-1724. Again, 630-445-1724. I'd like to also let you know that you can visit the Augustine Legal PR newsletter page at AugustineLegalPR.com where you can sign up to review copies of our newsletters and updates. We have a mid-month email that contains useful marketing and publicity articles, and our end-of-the-month emails contain short descriptions and links to our month's Law Talk Radio episodes that you can listen to anytime on demand. And I'd also like to uh, mention George Taggart is a, a local business owner I saw. He just responded to uh, to a post that I had on Facebook about me starting my business in 2005 and building it really from scratch. And George Taggart uh, mentioned that he has uh, he has a printing company. I know him from uh, one of the local chambers, and they have specials right now. He says so. We'll see if he. I asked him to respond and let me know what kind of specials they're running, and uh, maybe I'll let you all know about those. 
uh, if I get a, a quick response back from him. But again, George, George Taggart, I know him from the Woodridge area Chamber of Commerce. So if anyone's local in DuPage County and knows George, give him a call. All right, uh, back to our program now. We're finishing our show with thoughts from Darren about being thought leaders in the legal industry. Darren? Well, um, you know, regardless of whether you're in a uh, full-service, you know, general practice firm or you're highly specialized like we are, I think, you know, one of the best ways to get business is being recognized as a thought leader on some topic. And typically, the more narrow the topic, uh, the better because it's easier for people to remember you by that and you can get a greater reach on the Internet. And one of the reasons why I think this is the case is, and um, you know, Nick, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, is that Internet uh, and Internet marketing in particular has radically changed the way that traditional advertising works. In the past, advertising was um, based on interruption. In other words, the advertiser, whether it's a billboard or a commercial on the radio or a commercial on TV, had to interrupt your attention and get you to focus on the message to get you to take action whereas the Internet is uh, the world upside down. In other words, it's the user that's looking for things, and it's the, so it's the user engaging to find a service or a product instead of the, the advertiser interrupting them to th- make them think about the service or product. And so as uh, many people know that the more narrow a topic, the, e- the, the easier it is to do search engine optimization around that topic. And so if you're a thought leader on a really narrow topic and you write, you blog, consistently you publish articles and things along those lines it's very easy for you to be uh, high in search engine rankings and that will lead to business over time and the beauty of it is that your website or the internet will work 24 7 365 never calls in sick and it never complains exactly and if you so you have internal marketing people there that do that so we have a a uh, marketing person but all the content is written by the lawyers Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, so it's a similar thing to you know what I do uh, for my again. You know, I have the benefit of you know, having gone to law school and work, working in several practice areas. So um, it, I wouldn't suggest that uh, you know any copywriter just try to dive into to legal marketing and things. But um, you know, it's important whether you do it yourself or hire someone like me or someone else. Someone should be doing it. And I and I'll submit that it doesn't have to be long and arduous. You don't have to give law review articles. Someone's going to read them anyways. Um, and I think the important thing is to be producing original, frequent content and just keep doing it because people are going to continue seeing your name. And I tell people all the time, you know, even if you're doing a newsletter monthly, um, you know, and you may only have, you know, a certain, a smaller percentage of people who open and read it and click through, you don't know how many people, see, I mean, we all see our emails. We know what's coming in. And I see certain names and I know they're out there. And it's top of mind awareness, right, Darren? Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, for litigation, and I'm sure that this works in maybe some of the other areas as well, but um, as, as, as you mentioned earlier, Nick, you know, uh, somebody buys from someone that they know, like, and trust, but there's that fourth thing for litigation, and that is you've got to be top of mind when the need arises. And litigation is so inherently unpredictable unless you have one of those clients that has serial litigation. And so the key is you need to keep yourself, once you've established the know, like, and trust, you need to be top of mind as much as possible and as efficiently as possible with as many people as possible that can send you business. And so for me, by far, my best source of business over the last eight years has been from other attorneys who are not IP practitioners who may be corporate lawyers or tax lawyers or something else. And so I'm, you know, I have kind of a, a very strong focus. And so I want to be top of mind as much as possible with as many of those lawyers as I possibly can be. And you know, um, you know, if I have, a, for example, I have a, a newsletter that I send to my re- kind of what I call my referral partner lawyers who send me work um, that are not they're not full time IP lawyers, and so this newsletter is aimed at um, the little short three to four paragraph uh, articles on aspects of IP that bleed over into other practice areas or things about IP that non-IP lawyers should think about or maybe could use in their own practice. And I can send that to two or 300 lawyers, and it takes me about an hour or two to write the article. I can I can make two to 300 touches based on that one newsletter. And if I, you know, if I were to take those people to lunch, it would take me a year to take all 300 people to lunch, but I can hit them, you know, I can hit them every other month with a newsletter. 
Right, right, right. You know, and another good tip um, that uh, a lot of people talk about, and I often try to share with people, is talk about something in the news or current events that relates to your, um, you know, to your industry. And with IP, uh, you know, there's things all over the place. I mean, I was just flipping through uh, the channels this morning, and, uh, you know, what movie was on the, uh, what was it, where the guy had the tattoo on his face? It was uh, The Hangover Part 2. And the lawsuit that came up with the copyrightability of, you know, some artist who did that, you know, sued him. And, um, you know, did you guys talk about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I heard about it. And I, I got kind of a laugh out of it because it was kind of funny. But so another thing your readers can consider is um, you know, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn um, because it's more businessy. But the beauty of LinkedIn is that you can automatically connect uh, a WordPress blog as well as a Twitter account. And so for me, we have a we have a blog, and then I have the newsletter. And so um, when we go to publish those th- those pieces of content, um, it it will automatically pop up on LinkedIn, whether it's a tweet or a blog post. And so I have connected with a lot of my referral partners. And so three to four times a week, when we're pushing that content out, I'm going to bubble up at the top of that list on LinkedIn based on a tweet or the the blog publication. And it's a great way to get a lot of visibility for almost no effort, and you can delegate it to your assistant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Exactly. And I'll tell you what, another tip that I'll throw in there, people see those and they remember, but you don't always, it's not like every time someone sees, oh, uh, there's Darren, he's talking about, you know, X, Y, Z. Wow, I'm really glad that's really interesting, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, you don't always see the the response, but every now and then you'll run into people who say, oh, I see your content or I see you there, you write this or I see, you know, and I look at it and I haven't read them late. I mean, this came up, someone said that to me today. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I feel really bad. I haven't read some of your stuff in a while, but I don't want, well, you know, it's like I print out, <laughs> I turn out tons of content, so I don't expect everybody to read every bit, you know, but, you know, know where you can go to look to find it. Um, but again, I think some people tend to get dissuaded if they don't see a turnaround in client revenue within, you know, a certain amount of time because everyone says, you know, what are we going to do with our return on our investment of time and resources and try to measure our uptick in, um, you know, in client revenue? But there are other ways. And now, Darren, what are your thoughts on sticking with it and trying to measure some results? Well, um, okay, you've, you've identified a pretty good point, and that is, you know, what is the ROI, the return on investment? And, you know, ROI on marketing activities, particularly like in PR or advertising, or the, the, what I would call the more passive activities as opposed to taking somebody to lunch and asking for the business or a mar- like a, a marketing event or a marketing campaign, it's really difficult to measure those things. I mean, there's ways of doing it, but it's difficult. And so what we do here is we know – we know what clients we have on December 31st, and so what I do is I take our complete spend for the year, so um, let's say it's $100,000 to make, use a round number, and then I compare that to the amount of uh, billings that we get from new clients over the course of the year. So in other words, clients that we've added as of January 1st forward, and I try to get at least six, you know, at least six times that. So if I spend $100,000, on uh, you know various marketing act and business development activities, then then we want to get at least six hundred thousand dollars of new business from new clients, and I like that that measurement because you don't have to like tie it to any particular activity. You can just very easily know who your new clients are and how much you how much you got in billings from them. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good point. And it's probably underselling the value because if you think about it. If you're doing these activities, whether it's a, a marketing event or a blog, or you're sending newsletters, you know those also bleed over into your existing client base, and so you know that can kind of keep you top of mind with the existing client base. So in, 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 in reality, it probably gets you more business from existing clients too. But for, for our purposes, I don't count that in the metric. So I just look at new clients and revenue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that's a smart way to go about it. And, and you know, we never know. You, we, I wish we could see and measure uh, when, when people will call and hire you, you know, what they found. Um, you know, another tip that I'll share is if someone asks you, um, you know, you, how did you find us? Well, I saw you on the, on the Internet. Well, did you go to our website? Um, you know, because you just could have found a listing. It could have been on a fine law thing. Uh, uh, any thoughts there, Darren? Yeah, so what I did is we, um, we divvied up the – um, the channels we call them marketing channels or the sources of how clients get to us 
whether it's uh, you know the internet, social media, a referral partner, classic networking, a marketing event, marketing campaign, articles, presentations, a category called guerrilla marketing, and I think there's like two or three more. And so I, I developed a, a database that tracks um, every single lead that comes to the firm and what source it came through. And then it also tracks when those leads mature to clients. And so I can run a report uh, very simply that will tell me, um, you know, I can do a pie chart. Like of all of our clients, you know, what's the breakdown? Did you know, the majority of them referral, referrals from referral partners or did we get them from the Internet? And then I can even analyze it further and I can say for A-tier clients, what's the, what's the source breakdown versus the you know, C or D-tier clients? And so it's pretty interesting to see that. But if you're going to spend significant money on marketing activities, you absolutely got to track the source and what's working. And you can do it with a simple Excel spreadsheet, but you really got to do it because that's going to tell you what works and what's not working, and you need to prioritize your resources around what's working. Exactly. All right, we're out of time. Darren, thanks for being our guest. Tell us how people can get a hold of you. Uh, easiest is just to go through our website, www.kk-llp.com, and uh, feel free to call me or uh, email me if you have any questions. I'd love to help. All right. Darren, thanks again for your time this evening. I do appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I'd also like to thank all of our listeners for tuning into this episode of Law Talk Radio, brought to you by Augustine Legal PR and with support from Chris McCarthy of Northwestern Mutual. Chris McCarthy provides individuals and business owners with expert guidance and exclusive access to Northwestern Mutual's life and disability insurance policies, the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Law Talk Radio episodes are programmed to entertain and bring our legal industry professionals, consumers, and guests the tips and tools and news they can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers. Again, this is Nick Augustine for Law Talk Radio, and as always, I thank you for your time.